exploring our podcast. Nothing is sweeter than SwiftCast. Hi guys, happy new year and welcome back to episode 87 of SwiftCast. This is Haley, Ashley, and Steph. And we've missed you guys. Yeah, it's good to be back after a little break. Can't believe we're in the year of the 1989 tour. Finally. 2015. Only about five months, really, till she'll be in Japan kicking it all off. I'm super excited. So even though we're really excited about this year of 2015, the year of 1989, we're going to go back to last year and quickly talk about the end of the year. Yeah, did you guys get any cool Swiftmas gifts? I bought some for myself. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, I just bought me the mug, which I actually really like, even though you have to hand wash it. Which one did you get? I got the album one. Oh, okay. I got the seagull one. I really want to go back and buy the seagull one. Yeah, I like both. Ashley, what did you buy for yourself? I bought the new 1989 hoodie and the red blanket because I didn't have it yet. How does the hoodie fit? It fits a little smaller than her past pull-over-the-head hoodies, but it actually fits really cute. I kind of like that it's a little more fitted and not as baggy. Oh, that's good. And it's really comfy, and yeah, I love it. I got the This Sick Beat long sleeve shirt, and it's really comfortable. It's very soft. I also bought, not from Taylor's store, but Victoria's Secret just came out with a shirt that says Shake It Off on it, and it's like a bluish-purple color with black letters. It's cute. I bought it. Yeah, I've seen those. It is cute. It's actually a lot cuter in person than it looks on the website. Are they all purple? Yeah. I saw a purple one. Well, I got the This Sick Beat shirt, some vintage shirts, the Incredible Things perfume. So I had a great Swiftness and the mug. Oh yeah, I got the new 1989 tour tee from My Secret Santa. Oh yeah. Does it have the dates on the back? No, it just says 1989 World Tour. It was a nice surprise to get from someone. So I was just thinking, my mom got more Swift Miss presents than I did. <laughs> we did a Swifty Santa exchange within our group, and my mom got a couple of the ornaments, and she got the love, love, love ornament, and she won't give it to me. Aww. Well, I believe those are 50% off right now on the website. I might just have to go buy it myself. I do know they still have that one because I almost bought it. I guess the best present that I got, which is not really something money can buy, is that I somehow, I don't even understand how, won a ticket to go to the Grammys. That is so exciting. Yeah, that's really cool. It was just the contest, and I had, I thought, a really, really small chance, but they picked like 30 winners, and I was literally in the last group of winners that they picked. That will be really, really exciting. I'm not very excited about spending an arm and a leg to fly to LA and stay there for two nights, but I think it'll be worth it. It's just about a month away, too. I know. It's crazy. Last year, it was actually on in January, but this year, it's February 8th. So will you go to the Grammy Museum, too? I'm going to try to, yeah. I mean, it's right by the awards, so I pretty much can't miss that, especially since it's only going to be there for a few months. Yeah, all the photos and videos from that look so great. I guess you're technically not really allowed to take photos in there, but people have been doing it anyway, so hopefully I'll be able to get a lot. Yeah, I hope so. I thought about just going to LA just to go to the museum, but it's an expensive flight to go to a museum, so I, don't, I doubt I'll do it. 
Well, I checked, and the admission is only $12, so at least if you do that, you don't have to pay a lot to get in. Oh, yeah, that's true. That was always my problem with the Taylor Swift Education Center in Nashville, is that the Hall of Fame admission in order to get to the Education Center is like 30 bucks, and I've done it so many times that every time there's a new Taylor thing, I have to pay 30 bucks just to see that one thing. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. But yeah, $12, and I'm pretty sure the profits go to the Grammy Foundation. Well, I think Taylor also had a really good holiday. She tweeted that Christmas is not a competition, of course, but Mama Swift may have won this year. And Mama Swift got Taylor these two adorable cat carriers. One says Dr. Meredith Grey, and the other says Detective Olivia Benson. It's like, what do you get for someone who has everything? Because Taylor has so much, but her mom still managed to find the best gift possible. Yeah, they're adorable. And... Meredith and Olivia have already been using them. Seems like Olivia's okay with it. I didn't notice her freaking out in it. Taylor has said before that Olivia really hates the carrier. But the pictures I saw of her in it, she was just kind of sitting there. So maybe Mama Swift got her just the perfect carrier to make her feel relaxed. Since it has her name on it and all. Well, one of my favorite hobbies over the past couple of days has been I found a way to go on Twitter and look at tweets from a particular date in previous years. So I was looking up Taylor to look at what she was doing around past holiday seasons. And on January 3rd, 2009, which is six years ago, if you can believe it, she said she was un-Christmas decorating. That was her whole tweet. Such a bummer when you have to take everything down. Also around this date in 2009, she was rehearsing with the band and picking out clothes for Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? So that was... I guess I thought it was more in the fall. I'm confused because this tweet is from January 4th, 2009. Oh, well, that must have been the first time she was on SNL because she was on SNL again in the fall of 2009 when she hosted and performed. Oh, so she had performed before that? Yeah, her first time on SNL, she was in a skit where she played Annie, and I think she was the musical act for one night. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I forgot about that. Yeah, and then in the fall of 2009 is when she actually did the whole show. I'm still waiting for her to be announced for this season. Getting impatient. She has to do it. She was talking about it so much in the summer. Yeah, and she's in New York. And we were just talking about what is she going to be doing between now and May besides rehearsing for tour, so. Yeah, they need to put her on. Maybe they'll put her on closer to the end of the season before tour starts. Yeah, they usually like to have really high profile, really popular people towards the end of each season. I'm not saying it's not going to happen then. I think there's still hope and it would be really awesome to see her do that again because she's hilarious. Well, we have a lot more to keep talking about, so we're just going to go on to Keeping Up With Swift. So first, recently, USA Today named Taylor as Musician of the Year, and I think that's pretty significant because it wasn't just Woman of the Year or Singer of the Year or Pop Star, Musician, Overall Musician of the Year. Dang straight. Exactly. And USA Today previously named 1989 as Album of the Year. Which was out for two months. (laughs) Yes. And speaking of all these records, we have a lot more records that Taylor broke before the end of the year. So just to give you a a quick recap of all of those, 1989 was number one for a sixth non-consecutive week. 
And this makes Taylor the first act since the Beatles with four consecutive albums that each logged six or more weeks at number one. So we can expect her to continue being at number one and just logging even more weeks. On New Year's Eve, it was announced that 1989 had sold 4,619,000 copies worldwide and therefore became the year's biggest selling album, beating Frozen. As Jill said on last week's episode 86, it's fitting that one queen dethrones another queen. <laughs> Taylor officially beat out Queen Elsa and became the biggest selling album of the year in just two months when Frozen had a full calendar year to sell albums. So it was pretty awesome. And the new numbers that were just released for worldwide sales are now 5,121,000 in just nine weeks. Very remarkable. People don't reach that milestone ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like an album could be out for like 10 or 20 years and not even come close to that. And this was nine weeks. And another really cool thing that just happened, Taylor unseated Mariah Carey, and she is now number two on the list of females who have spent the most weeks at number one on Billboard's 200. So the only person beating Taylor right now is Whitney Houston, who has spent 46 weeks at number one on Billboard's 200. Taylor's at 31 weeks, and Mariah Carey is at 30. I don't think Mariah Carey is going to be earning any more weeks anytime soon. <laughs> No. To see Taylor among these really legends, Whitney and Mariah are legends, and it took them so long to kind of earn that status, I think, and Taylor's already there. And so it just shows Taylor's already a legend, and she's just going to keep growing even more. And I think she will eventually beat Whitney to become number one on this list. I think it will happen. So the next thing is Taylor donated $6,000 to the Broadway Cares, and she did that to win Hugh Jackman's shirt that he wore in The River. Did you see the photo of them together? No, I didn't. No, is it cute? Oh yeah, it was cute. I love Hugh Jackman. I think he's a really nice celebrity. He just seems like a good guy. And so to see them together, it was like, oh, they're both such good people. I really want to know what Taylor's going to do with the shirt. She's probably just going to frame it. I think it would be awesome if she wore it, though. <laughs> She's worn pretty expensive clothing before. I don't think she'd have a problem wearing a $6,000 shirt. Previously worn by Hugh Jackman. Well, she was also named the year's most charitable celebrity by DoSomething.org, and this is the third year in the row that she has gotten this title. Well, speaking of her doing things for others, she also released a video on New Year's Eve that was sort of a montage of all the packages that she put together to send to Swifties this year. I love this video, mainly because you get to see more of her being herself. Yeah, it's really cool to see her in her house, getting these packages ready. Yelling at her cats. Oh my god. <laughs> One thing I noticed is that people, you know, I'm friends with on Facebook or whatever, who aren't fans of Taylor have seen this video and they're posting about it and writing about how great Taylor is for doing this and how wonderful she is to her fans. So for me, as someone who's been a fan forever and had to deal with people hating on Taylor, especially between 2010 and now, and now all these people have finally seen the light, I guess, and are realizing how amazing she is, is really cool. Someone asked me, do you happen to know any of the people in this video? And I said, yeah, I pretty much know all of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if we didn't before, we surely know about them now. I just really liked that Meredith was sleeping on Sophia's blanket. Like, Sophia would really mind cat hair on her blanket. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people would take those cat hairs and put them in a special little display and keep them forever. I was telling my sister, if I got a blanket from Taylor that had cat hair on it, I would freak out just knowing that's either Meredith or Olivia's hair. It was a really cute video, so if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go watch it. Aside from posting videos that makes everyone cry, Taylor was pretty busy throughout the holiday. She spent Christmas in New York City, and she was even out with the whole family on Christmas Eve, and I loved all the photos of them all together. So cute. Then she was spotted in Nashville for a few days, and she took some adorable photos with Joy Williams' son. And then, of course, she returned to New York to perform for New Year's Eve. And before performing, she talked about plans for tour, and so this was very exciting to me. She said, I was really proud of the Red Tour, but I'm so much more proud of 1989 as an album. I feel like I have so much to work with on the set list and so many visuals to create. The new album is a completely new sound, and my new goal for the tour is to be a completely new experience for fans. I'm so excited. That just has my mind blown on how she's going to top herself. She always does, though. She always does, and you don't think she can, but she does. Well, at first I thought I probably shouldn't go to the 1989 tour as many times as I went to the Red Tour, which was 11, because I felt like it was kind of a lot, and it did start to get repetitive after 11 times. But then I thought, this tour is going to be even better, so there's really no reason why I should decrease the amount of times that I see it. And I've read in other articles that she's planning to make each date different. She's planning to make surprises happen. Because in one interview, she said people can just go on YouTube and watch the tour if they want to, if she would do the same thing every single night. So I think her goal is to really surprise us on this tour. Yeah, I mean, even special guests are kind of expected at this point. So I'm wondering what else that she'll do. I don't know. I think she's going to really surprise us. Maybe she'll cover songs from the 80s. That's what I've been thinking. That was one of my first predictions for the tour. Or maybe she'll sing unreleased songs on the B stage. That would be awesome. <laughs> that's not going to happen, I don't think. But I heart question mark. But that's a great idea. You guys should get on that, Taylor's people. <laughs> and Taylor, because that would be awesome. As we know, Taylor performed Welcome to New York and Shake It Off in Times Square, and she looked amazing. I loved that outfit. People were kind of freaking out over the outfit, and she also fell. Yeah, she did. It was sort of like a trip, though, right? Yeah, she seemed okay. It was on the stairs, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very graceful little trip. <laughs> she kind of tripped and then looked up like, I'm still the queen, and gave a little smile slash smirk thing. <laughs> but I actually didn't see it on TV at all. I didn't notice while I was watching. But afterward, people were posting a little clip of it. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess she had a little trip there. Well, so then after the performance, she rang in the new year with Abigail. And it looks like they had a great time. It's always nice to see them hanging out. Yeah, and I guess I know I saw Abigail on my TV right at midnight. She was kissing her boyfriend. And I was like, oh, there's Abigail on TV. <laughs> Yeah, they must have given her a good spot. And it was so cute when Taylor did the countdown and she was jumping up and down. It was just really cute. And she was giving everybody hugs. And There's that one picture, I'm sure you know which one I mean, of her like jumping slash screaming. Yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be my favorite thing of all time. 
that picture will definitely be used for years. If you need to show that you're excited about something, all you have to do is use that photo. <laughs> Forever. I just want to blow up that photo and have it as a giant life-size cutout and bring it to the tour. <laughs> that's how excited we'll be when we're there. So then uh, that was December 31st. And then a couple days later on January 3rd, she was seen leaving her apartment in New York with Meredith and Olivia in their new carriers. And I'm not sure if we know where she went, but that was yesterday. Well, next we're going to cover her upcoming schedule. And actually her first potential event is the People's Choice Awards on January 7th. And so I was thinking maybe she left on the 3rd to go out to LA to attend maybe, but we haven't heard for sure yet whether she'll be there. She's up for three awards, Favorite Female Artist, Favorite Pop Artist, and Favorite Song for Shake It Off. So be sure to tune into that on January 7th. And then on February 8th on CBS is the Grammys, and she is nominated for Song of the Year for Shake It Off, Best Pop Solo Performance for Shake It Off, and Record of the Year for Shake It Off. And Ashley is going to tell us all about the Grammys when that happens. I'm really still in shock. Like, that has been, I think, the number one thing on my Swifty bucket list since I've been lucky enough to have met Taylor. And I'm going to be a seat filler, which means I could have a really good seat or I could just be standing off to the side. I really won't know how it works out until I'm there, but I'm really excited. Are you going to be wearing that dress that you found? I think so. Ashley found the most adorable dress that I want to have so bad. Well, I was shopping for a dress, and I always have the hardest time finding dresses when I actually need them for a specific event. And I picked up this dress that was very different than anything I would normally wear, and I really liked it for some reason, but I wasn't exactly sure why, and I couldn't pinpoint exactly what I loved about it, but it was a strapless dress. The top is black, and then the bottom is like a hot pink color, and it's a long dress, and I don't usually wear very long dresses either. And then after I left the store was driving home I had bought the dress and it occurred to me that this dress was almost identical to one that Taylor wore to the Golden Globes last year which would explain why I liked it and didn't know why <laughs> I love your dress and the one that Taylor wore to the Golden Globes hers is a little fancier and of course she looked better in it but I still like mine so then in other award news, the last award show coming up in the next couple months is the Brit Awards, which will be airing on February 25th. And do we know if she's performing on that? Taylor will be performing. The nominees have not yet been announced, so we will keep you up to date on whether or what she's nominated for. And do we think she'll have another single out by then? Uh, you know, I think Styles is definitely going to be the next single. I'm guessing she's going to do Shake It Off at the Grammys. Yeah. It's potential, definitely, that the next single could be out before February 25th. Because Blink Space was an official single in November, right? Right. It's still tearing up the charts, so I don't know if she'll want to wait till it slows down a little bit. But I do know that Perez Hilton asked Taylor when she attended the Billboard ceremony last month, and he told her that he really wants Style to be the next single, and she just kind of smiled and said, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks for your input. And then recently, Scott Bruschetta tweeted that he thinks Style would be a good single for the next single. And the fact that she performed it on the Victoria's Secret show and on the album release day kind of makes me think it will be the next single, but I'm just not sure when. Or she could totally change her mind and make New Romantics the next single or something. Who knows? That'd be awesome. I want them all to be singles. 
Well, that's all of our keeping up with tips and the what she's doing in the next couple months. So we're going to go right into our mini segments. Our first one is from at Erica underscore Taze. I know nothing for class, so I'm just going to download another 7,348,000 pictures of Taylor because that's what I usually do. Swifty problems. I like it. Our next one is from Maria with four A's underscore N on Twitter. And she said, I sing along to blank space far too aggressively for someone who has a non-existent list of ex-lovers. <laughs> Our next one comes from Melly underscore VC13. All I wanted for Christmas was Taylor Swift, but Santa Claus forgot. Swifty problems. Crying emoji. Aww. I think we all want Taylor Swift for Christmas, but I think only Taylor Swift can have Taylor Swift. Our next one is from at Imagine Lydia. Wanting to listen to style on repeat, but stopping yourself because you know it's going to be the next single. Swifty problems. So we'll see. Could be. You should still listen to it on repeat now, though. Our next one's from at Love Swift Forever. Is it normal that every time I watch the video of Taylor receiving her Pinnacle Award, I cry? Swifty problems. Yes, very normal. Yes. Every time. Completely and utterly normal. Well, Tobias from Twitter says, The Fantasy Focus podcast turned me on to the Swiftcast podcast. I'm 46. Wrong demographic, but can't shake it off. Swifty problems. <laughs> That's awesome. That's okay. We've gained a lot of fans from that. Even a year later, we love having you. Yeah, thanks for listening. I think Taylor's music is so general that it doesn't matter how old you are. No, it doesn't matter. So thanks for listening. Our next one is from at DarcyWH. So the first 1989 I bought from Walmart was not the deluxe. So now I have to go buy it again from Target. Swifty problems. That's good, though. It's a good problem to have. Our next one's from at EKL99Swift, and this is in response to, I think, something we were saying on the last episode. And she said, can 1989 on ice be a thing already? Swifty problems. Yes, we were talking about how Frozen is on ice and will probably be on Broadway. And we were waiting for Taylor to dethrone Frozen as the best-selling album of the year. And we said that 1989 should be on ice. And Broadway. And Broadway. And tour. That would be pretty cool. So we have another one from Darcy WH. That moment when you don't know which Taylor Swift song you want to listen to. Swifty problems. Shuffle. Yes, that's what I do. But the problem with that then is with each song in your mind, you say, this is her best song ever. And then the next one comes on and you say, no, wait, this one's her best one ever. Our next one is from at Spelled Like Devin. Amazing how a conversation about anything can turn into a conversation about Taylor Swift. Swifty problems. True story. Our next one's from at Fofo underscore Barazi. It's becoming so hard for me to say, oh my god, and not follow it up with the lyrics of Blank Space. Swifty problems. <laughs> Look at that face. Who is she? Uh, our last one comes from Nine Wildest Dreams. Dream about meeting and becoming BFFs with Taylor Swift almost every night, but still haven't even talked to her yet. Swifty problems. That was a lot of Swifty problems this week. That was. I actually have one I just thought of because when we were talking about the Taylor Swift song you want to listen to, my friend and her friend are going to go get Taylor Swift lyrics tattooed and they want me to come. And I looked at them like, you want me to pick one lyric to tattoo to me? <laughs> are you going to do how, it? How do you want me to choose? I can't choose one yet. Like, there's so many. I would have, like, 
I can't pick one yet. I just, it's hard to pick one. So if I actually find one that I can, you know, pick, maybe. But right now, there's too many that I want. I would honestly say if you think of one that you really, really want, unless you desperately want it right now, I would wait until maybe one day you can get her to write it out. Right. Yeah. I just don't think that any lyric not written in her handwriting is exactly right to have tattooed on. <laughs> or maybe you could have someone make a really good Photoshop edit using her handwriting into those lyrics. Yeah, I agree. Or if you use something like Fearless, you could just use the album cover. A lot of people still get Fearless tattoos. All right, well, keep those Swifty problems coming. And right now we're going to go right into our fashion segment. So when Taylor was leaving her apartment in New York yesterday, January 3rd, she had her signature green Dolce & Gabbana Sophia textured leather bag, which was sold out, but it did cost $2,895. And then she had a Free People patent pork pie hat, which is $58. And for shoes, they're no longer available, but she had the Sam Edelman Sawyer Oxfords. I love those Oxfords. She's had them for so long, and I never got a pair like them. On December 31st, when Taylor was leaving her apartment to head over to Times Square, she was wearing her Free People Bozeman Pomp Beanie. It's a two-toned red and tan hat that has a cute pom-pom on top of it. And it was $38, but it's on sale right now for $19.95. She also carried her green Dolce & Gabbana Sophia textured leather bag that is sold out, but as Ashley mentioned, is $2,895. And then she also wore her green and other stories high heel ankle boots. And she's worn these a lot this year. I really like them. They're usually 95 euros, but they're on sale right now for 48. I also want to let everyone know that it appears that as of this moment, the Aldo Fratopolazine bag is once again back and will probably be gone again by the time this episode comes out. But keep checking back because it still is possible to get it. Well, next, while performing on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve, she wore a Jessica Jones-Joseph Cassell custom jacket crop top pants combo. And she paired that with the Carlo Pasolini custom heels. So she customed her whole outfit for that. I love the shoes and the whole outfit, but I liked how sparkly the shoes were. So on December 26th, when she was leaving her apartment in New York, she had on a convertible jet setter backpack from Henry Bendel. That's $278. And then with that, she had rag and bone Miles boots, $550. And then she also had a J brand Carl leather biker jacket, which was $1,795, but it's no longer available. I love that jacket. If you remember earlier in the spring, Taylor was out and about in New York when it was raining. And so she was wearing a black skirt with that jacket and carrying an umbrella. And it was just a perfect outfit. I really liked that jacket. Then on December 22nd, when Taylor was going to see Beautiful, the Carol King musical, she wore her and other stories black lace dress. And she's worn that dress before in Australia. That was 95 euros. Over the dress, she wore a Trento Coda trench coat, which is by Theory, and unfortunately that's sold out. And then she also wore her Prada buckle strap heel platform booties in black. Those were $950, but they're on sale for $646, and unfortunately they're only available in gray suede right now. And then the best part of her outfit, in my opinion, was her headband, 
Oh my god. And I was really disappointed when I saw the price of the headband. It is the Ericsson Beeman Rim Crest headband, and it is $1,523. And 94 cents, don't forget. And 94 cents. <laughs> I have to come up with the 94 cents. <laughs> it was such a great headband, though. You just never know what you're going to get with her. One day she has a $50 handbag, and then the next day she has a $1,500 headband. <laughs> Next, on December 22nd, when she was out with her family in New York, she wore a Cole Haan Air Violet Oxford pumps, which are no longer available, and a navy Ralph Lauren roll neck sweater, which is out of stock, and a navy Macintosh Philosophy herringbone short duffel coat, which is $563.73. And I love this jacket. And then finally, on December 20th, when she was out with Lena Dunham in New York City, she once again wore her Prada buckle strap heel platform boots that we mentioned earlier. I hope sometime tastewithstyle.com finds the coat she wore that day with Lena because it was really cool. It kind of looked like a poncho in a way and it was beige. It's hard to describe, but it was really cute. Well, tastewithstyle.com always posts old things she's worn when they find it and everything like that. So maybe that will come up soon. So if you want to check out her website, like I said, it's tastewithstyle.com. And it will have links to everything we mentioned. So if you're looking to buy something for yourself, you can find it there. And now we're going to go into our main discussion. And we are actually going to be discussing the song, I Wish You Would. Yeah, Ashley, I wish you would. I think you said was one of your favorites at first, right? I think it actually might be my favorite favorite. Perfect. This is my favorite to sing. Oh, yeah, for sure that. Well, first, we kind of wanted to tell you what Taylor has said about the song. And we know you've all heard the voice memo where she talks about how she was hanging out with Jack Antonoff and he played this track for her and she immediately could hear this song in her head. And she said, send it to me. Let me play with it. And then while she was on tour, she just played the track and sang the lyrics into her phone. And it pretty much was the finished product, really. So I like the cool little story that she gives in the voice memos. And then she also talked about the song just when 1989 was released. And we'll just read you what she said about it. She said, I Wish You Would is a song I wrote with Jack Antonoff and the first song we ever worked on together. I think for this song, we wanted to create sort of a John Hughes movie visual with pining and one person's over here and misses the other person, but is too prideful and won't say it. But meanwhile, the other person is here and missing the same person. And they're missing each other, but they're not saying it. And I had this happen in my life, so I kind of wanted to narrate it in a very cinematic way, where it's like you're seeing two scenes play out, and then in the bridge, you're seeing the final scene where it resolves itself. So it says it's a crooked love in a straight line down, makes you want to run and hide, but it makes you turn right back around. It just kind of is like that dramatic love that's never really quite where it needs to be, and the tension that that creates. I think she achieved that portrayal very, very well. Yeah, I thought the same thing when I heard her talking about this. Because it really shows, you know, the guy's driving down the street, he's thinking about her, then next thing you know, she's in her room, sees headlights, she's thinking about him, and then in the end, it resolves itself. This would make such a great music video. 
It would. And clearly she and Jack had an idea of John Hughes movies, seeing this maybe being used in a movie. I kind of wonder if it would be released as a single for that reason, or maybe it would just be put into some movie. Maybe somebody would pick it up. I don't think it necessarily has to be released as a single for that to happen, but it would be cool for this song to be nominated for Golden Globe or something since Sweeter Than Fiction already was and she and Jack created that together. I can definitely see if there is a music video that making it look exactly like an 80s movie. Yeah, that would be really cool. I was born in the 80s, but I never really watched 80s movies because I was just too young. So just this past week, I watched John Hughes' The Breakfast Club, and a couple weeks ago, I watched Pretty in Pink. I still haven't seen things like 16 Candles or Say Anything, but Jack also talked about this and said that he and Taylor were just hanging out in Rhode Island and talking about how in these John Hughes movies, there was just a lot of music inspiring the movies and just a culture of sound is how Jack put it in John Hughes movies. So it's really cool to think they're just sitting there talking about John Hughes movies and then write all these songs together because after I Wish You Would, they ended up doing Sweeter Than Fiction, Out of the Woods, and You Are in Love. Now, I didn't realize that I Wish You Would was done before Sweeter Than Fiction. That's interesting. I thought so too. I just assumed that Sweeter Than Fiction was what kind of put her in the whole 80s mindset, which led to the album, but maybe she was already working on the album and then they just sort of happened together. Yeah, because we first heard Sweeter Than Fiction in September of 2013. So that was well over a year before 1989 came out. Right. So it would be interesting to know exactly when they did I Wish You Would. If they were hanging out in Rhode Island, it's possible it was in the summer of 2013. We know that Taylor was still on tour because in the voice memo she said she was still on tour. But yeah, I also thought that Sweeter Than Fiction, before I read the interviews and everything, I thought that was the first song they ever did together. I've been hoping that Sweeter Than Fiction is going to be performed live on the 1989 tour. I know, I have been too. I just don't know that it's going to happen. But it fits so perfectly with the sound. I guess I'm not saying it would be in the set list, but it always surprised me that she never even did it on the B stage, and I can see her pulling that out at least a couple times. Yeah, I can see her doing it a couple times. I don't think it will make the set list. She's never performed it live anywhere. No, it needs to happen. That song is so great, especially when you watch the movie. It's just awesome. So one thing, I remember when the album was first released, I think, I think Ashley, you were upset because you thought the voice memo made it sound like she just made up this story in her head, right? Well, I guess I was just confused because from stories I had heard from little snippets in the interviews and then people from the secret sessions were saying it sounded like she said that I Wish You Would was about a specific relationship of hers that I assumed had happened like semi-recently. But now it seems like she clarified more that it's just kind of about a concept and she can relate to it, but I don't know if it was necessarily inspired by one relationship. Oh, see, I have the opposite interpretation. I think it is inspired by one person. I think in the voice memo, she just tries to generalize it so she's not showing any of her cards kind of a thing. So she's not naming names. 
But I know in the Rolling Stone article, she said something like there was this guy she dated who ended up buying a house near where she lived. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's why I thought that. So the two things kind of conflict, but you're right. She probably just kept it vague on purpose in the voice memo. Yeah, that's what I think it probably was. In this other quote, she said that she had this happen in her own life. It got me thinking because I was thinking this song could be like a really sad kind of song. And I think she had like this story in her head about what she wanted to write. But when she heard Jack Antonoff's track, she immediately heard what she basically had already there, but didn't have like music to it fit perfectly with this song that he wrote. I agree, and I think that if you just look at the words without thinking about the track, if she hadn't used his track, it almost could have been a way sadder sounding song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the way that Jack has his song with her words, it makes it more of a hopeful and wishful song. More upbeat versus sad and like depressing song and i guess i almost expected it to be a sadder song when i heard it described before i actually heard it yeah i did too just from the name you expect it to be sadder right and even when you read the rolling stone article you would expect that but i really like the tracking on this oh i think it was the absolute perfect choice yeah yeah and the lyrics are perfect i mean Taylor even quoted it in the interview, but we're crooked love in a straight line down. I always heard that as cooking love until I actually read the lyrics. <laughs> Speaking of that kind of thing, I always heard to stand back wasted instead of to stand back where you stood. I don't understand that. I never heard that. I never thought that. Now that people are saying it and I really try and listen for it, I guess I can see how you would hear that, but it makes no sense. No, it makes no sense, but I didn't know which. <laughs> and that's why when you hear it, you're like, wait a minute, what? Haley, how did you hear it? You know what? I don't know. I think I was just always hung up on the cooking love and I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, crooked. Got it. <laughs> The to stand back wasted made no sense at all to me, but I kind of went with it for a couple weeks, really, embarrassingly. And then finally I looked it up because I knew it couldn't be right. And now that I know what it is, I clearly hear it when I listen. But another line that I really love in this song is just the, you always knew how to push my buttons. You give me everything and nothing. And that was the lyric that she gave us a preview of when she was tweeting all the pictures before the album came out. I just love that because you think, when you're actually in the relationship, you think they put so much effort into you and whatnot, but when you're no longer there, you look back and you're like, you actually see that it was totally different. There's just so, so many ways you can take this song depending on what you're thinking at the time. So I know you just talked a little about the music video, but how do you guys think that she'll portray it on tour? Because there's no doubt in my mind this will be part of the tour. Um, you know, I don't know. For me, this was kind of on my list of question marks on whether it will make it on tour. I think it has to. I hope it does. But I think if you're talking about Taylor and Jack songs, Out of the Woods is obviously definitely going to be on tour. You Are in Love, I don't think will be on tour. So this is kind of an iffy one for me. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I hope it is. I love the song. I mean, she said that she's very aware that people want every song and I don't think she would choose this one to skip. Yeah, my only question then is, which ones will she skip? You know, it's very difficult for me to think about which ones she will skip. For me, the only one I really think she will right now is You Are In Love. I just don't see it being on tour. 
I think we'll get one of the three bonus tracks. I don't think we'll get two if we even get one. Yeah, I was thinking maybe Wonderland, but people are also loving New Romantics. I see her going with more things with Wonderland versus the New Romantics. I think she can do more with that song on tour. Yeah, I think she's really into the visuals, and I think Wonderland just has so many more visuals that she could use than New Romantics. But with this song, one reason why I lean toward maybe it will make it is because she could do a lot of really cool visuals with this song. It's it's a story, and she could play out the story on stage. So what were you thinking she would do? I really don't know. I expect there to be some sort of male character involved in the song with her. I can see her doing almost like you were saying that there would be a male character on stage and like he's more like oblivious and she's like kind of wishing he would turn around and kind of things. I just had a vision of, for some reason, there being a vintage 80s car on stage during this. (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. She'll go all Luke Bryan and have a real car, except hers will be a cool 80s car. And the thing about being in her room and looking out the window, seeing headlights, you know, she usually has a higher up level to the stage, too, where she goes upstairs of some kind. So I can definitely see them making that scene work. Mm -hmm. Or they could do a lot of kind of like what they did for the Blank Space performance with a lot of different kind of sets going all at once. That's a good point. You're going to say a lot of crazy eyes. (laughs) That, too. I was actually thinking that, especially with the mad, mad love. I don't know. I hope it makes it on tour. I think she could do a lot of things with it. And I think it would be really cool to hear it live. I'm just really not sure. It's still on my list of maybe it won't make it on. We really need her just to sing the whole album. That would be the solution. Well, at least we know that she knows that we want that. Right. She definitely knows. And I think with this tour, we'll see a lot less of the old favorites. I'm ready for that. She wants this to be just a completely new thing, and she knows that people went out and bought the album to hear the whole album, and she knows we want to see the whole album. I personally would rather hear the new stuff played live and on stage versus stuff from her previous albums. Even from Red, I would rather hear songs from 1989. I agree. There are some really old songs that even from the first album that I never got to hear live that I would love to hear. But this is just such a new sound and new direction for her that I think in a way it's kind of necessary to step away from her older songs. Although I really like how she is still using some of her old references that she's used in almost every album for this song, you know, the 2AM. I love how she keeps up with that. It's why one of the reasons why I really love this song, because first thing she says is 2AM and you're like, oh my god. (laughs) 2AM is a key time. It's a Taylor thing. I love that too. I noticed that right away. It still shows that she hasn't changed, but she has. Yeah. I use that quote of hers all the time where she said, I'm never going to change, but I'm also never going to be the same. And really, this song demonstrates that not just because of the 2AM thing, but this is a story and that's what Taylor does. She tells stories. This clearly shows two stories going on at the same time and then meeting up at the end. And so many of Taylor's songs do that. And even just the way she crafts the lyrics here remind me of her older songs. Well, in just a few months, we'll see if our predictions were right. Can't wait. 
I think also when I listen to this song, sometimes I think of if this was a movie. And I thought of that song before I even read about the John Hughes stuff. So I guess they really achieved their goal of having this in sort of a movie kind of thing. Because obviously if this were a movie, is is about, if this were a movie, you would come back. And here it's like they're both wishing and missing each other and then they end up coming back together like they would in a real movie. I don't know. It always reminded me of that. And so when I read about how they were inspired by John Hughes movies, I thought it was kind of crazy. I hope this ends up being in a movie somewhere. That would be really cool. Okay, now someone just needs to make a movie to this, (laughs) and it will be perfect. Well, if you guys have any thoughts on this, please let us know. There's a couple ways you can get a hold of us. First, you can find us on the SwiftCast13 on Taylor Connect. On Twitter, you can find us at SwiftCast13. You can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash theswiftcast. And, of course, we have our website where you can leave us messages, and it's swiftcast13.com. And our last thing is please, please subscribe to us on iTunes. It's completely free and and it downloads the latest episode for you automatically, so it takes the guesswork out of listening to us. It'll just be there, and you can hit play. So please do that. And I also wanted to tell you guys to go check out our website if you haven't been on in a while, swiftcast13.com. We added some new photos to our photo album. We got some older episodes up that hadn't been on the website yet, and just sort of updated things, and I think it looks really good. So go check it out and listen to some of our older episodes on there if you haven't and browse our pictures and have fun with that and next week for the first week of 2015 what do you guys think will taylor will do i think this week taylor will attend the people's choice awards and win all of her awards i think she'll do all of that and she will do it while wearing a crop top I really think that she's creating world domination on how she's going to kill us all and take over the world. (laughs) Well, if Taylor is in L.A. or anything that happens this next week, you know we will be talking about it on next week's episode of SwiftCast. So for now, this is Haley, Ashley, and Steph. Hope you have a good week. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Peace out, Swift Scouts. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney and Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.